Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. I am the host, Brent Young, joined by a couple of my good friends. As always, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel. How are we? I'm doing well, man. Delightful. It's a delightful Monday evening. Okay. I cut the grass today, and I thought I was going to die. Oh, that's a workout. Well, so it hadn't been cut in a long time because of Kelly being in the hospital and then work. And then every time I tried to come home and cut it, it rained. Friday was the perfect example. Okay. I go out to cut the grass. I put the gas in the lawnmower. I checked the radar before I went outside. This actually might've been, might've been Saturday. One or the other. Anyway, I go out, I put gas in. I pulled the cord on the lawnmower to start it downpour. Oh, and I, I look at the radar. We are literally, there's like a dot over my house, <laughs> not raining anywhere else. Just a dot over my house. Are you sure and that wasn't just your general temperament? Might be. Yeah. Makes sense. So, so I, I, I got one strip of grass cut. Oh, and then had to put it back in the shed and and wait. And so I finally you, got it. Oh, the, the grass was angry with me. Like it was fighting back. Yeah. Like we, we had a it, it had gotten so long. The grass was fighting back. It was not cool. fun. And I'm not exactly in great shape. I mean, uh, round is a shape, but right. Grass cutting shape. Not really. Yeah. Especially on a hot day. Hey, well, you know, it sounded like you got one strip going. You were going to skip another strip and get another strip going. You, you were going for the nippert look, weren't you? I, I, I didn't have a chance. I just got one strip. Okay. Okay. Is, well, is there is there such a thing as in grass cutting shape? Yeah. I would say I got, so. I mean, it depends on the size of the yard. I've got I, a push mower. Well, maybe you need to get one of those like zero turns. Maybe there's no maybe to it, but I don't. <laughs> the problem is, I'm kind of in between. Like, the yard is it takes about 40 minutes to cut hmm. with a push mower. Okay, so it's not like I don't know that it necessitates buying a riding lawnmower, but when it's 80 or you know, feels like 96 degrees outside, then yeah, you, you have to be in grass cutting shape. I'm not, I'm not is that. that 40 with beer breaks or 40 and then the beer break? Uh, I don't beer while I cut. I, I go about half. Okay. And then I get a Gatorade, get some 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 wow. fluids back in me. Okay. And then I do the second half. Wow. Okay. That makes sense. Fluids. And then it's beer 30. And beer then 30. when I'm done, quick shower, beer. Although tonight it's it's bourbon. Bourbon. Well, yeah, a little I mean, glass of four roses. Are you celebrating my birthday? Well, is that today? Tomorrow. Oh, well, happy early birthday to Aaron Smith. When you're listening to this, it'll more than likely be your birthday. You now, speaking of celebrations, birthdays. It's a celebration. You know, big, big celebrations. Big, uh, big reasons to gather and and have a big hurrah. The gates have been opened. The official visits are back. This past weekend, Aaron, there was a handful, a couple handfuls of recruits, whether they be committed, whether they be 
high priority for the football team coming to campus. They went downtown. They went to Top Golf. They were all over the place and they had a blast. You were able to talk to many of them. You have put two out so far. I'm sure that they're going to keep pumping out, but I need to hear just general observations from everyone that you've heard. This was an awesome thing for these players, for these recruits. So I'm going to keep doing it until it gets old. So it'll probably be just this whole like 2022 cycle, but I'm going to ask every kid what their impressions of this barn are, because they like, they, that's an easy icebreaker and they go bananas talking about this barn. Like this might be Luke Fickle's best move ever in building this big, stupid, amazing barn behind his house. Yeah. But they can't, they can't stop talking about it. They love it. Um, one kid said uh, you could easily host a hundred to 200 people inside this, this giant barn and still play like a pickup game on the side. Um, so there's, they, they can't say enough about it. Um, I have been ribbing Luke a little bit without him even knowing it as uh, I asked, like, is he a grill master or did they cater in? Well, I think, I think they catered. He didn't make that. No, no, he didn't. He didn't make that. So uh, we're, we're having, we're having a little bit of fun with some of that. Um, so that was Friday. They did have, you know, the, the whole, Luke Fickle reception at his house. And then into Saturday, you had the kids going to breakfast. And uh, I mean, of course, they stayed at the, the AC hotel downtown uh, and they all had their own individual bedrooms. And that's like apparently a huge deal to pretty much all of them that they had their own bedrooms. Um, some of the stuff that the staff was able to do as far as like one kid said it, it, they rolled out the red carpet for me. Uh, another kid said, like, just having walking into my room and seeing a, a poster on the bed of me with a graphic, like, it was surreal. Like, I, I, he felt like he actually made it at that point in time. Um, you know, you have the the Twitter stuff, but it was kind of different to walk into a room that was yours and to see these real personalized gifts there for you. Um, another kid said, as soon as he and his family pulled up, um, people were there to take their bags and to just really welcome them. And the, the greeting was the most, like, special thing to him was like the coaches that he had never met face to face, uh, finally getting to meet them in a post COVID world and, you know, just getting that kind of a reception and really feeling welcome by the family. Uh, so just a lot of different, uh, takes from some of the kids. I mean, I've spoken to damn near all of them. Uh, I think there's maybe two or three that I have yet to speak with, uh, still working on some of those things here for this week, but definitely trying to get the, uh, the write-ups as well. But, um, after the, the breakfast, uh, on Saturday morning, they pretty much uh, had meetings and then they had lunch and then they had, you know, some more meetings and then kind of into the tour. So they were able to, you know, pick at some of the, the brains of the coaches who have been recruiting them or the coaches who are maybe weren't as involved in the recruiting, but are going to be their position coaches. Uh, so just kind of some different dynamics there, depending on the kid and, and the coaches that did uh, ended up recruiting them. Um, then from a, uh, from the lunch and, and campus visit. Um, and it's crazy. I know people want more about the campus visit, but there was so much going on with all the activities and all of the welcoming and all of the, like they, they just all kept talking about how much they really enjoyed gelling with the other guys and kind of getting that, that family vibe and all of that. So then they end up going to top golf. The families go to uh, prime steakhouse and from top golf, they end up going to their, with their hosts, um, and then they got to see the Deacon and I tell you what, the, the Deacon has to be again, just 
one of the best things that Cincinnati has going for it right now, just in the fact that none of these kids on all the campuses they've been at have seen anything like what the Deacon offers these student athletes. Yeah. So, so the Deacon Chad, have you been to the Deacon? Have you been able to, no, not yet. I mean, just from the pictures, obviously from the 2021 class, you've seen a couple of them standing on the balcony overlooking the pool and the, and the golf, you know, little golf putting area. It looks like it is. I mean, that, that looks state of the art and it, it uh, seems to be, no, probably probably going to be just like you know the Luke Fickle barn. You know this is going to be another situation where you're like, wow, Cincinnati making elite moves like this, where we can stay at a place that is top of the line. You know it's going to be comparable to any other program in the country. And just based off pictures, it looks like that is exactly what it is. See, that's the thing though is I don't think it's actually comparable to anybody else that these kids are seeing. It's kind of head and shoulders above anybody else, and they got to kind of play catch up right now with what Cincinnati's done for the student athletes. You know, when, when these kids are making some of the unofficial visits or the official visits, even they're not seeing anything like what the Deacon has to offer. And then not only do you get to see what the Deacon has to offer in the sense of just the facilities themselves, but you're also getting to see the hosts in their element, in their homes and getting to see how one kid talked about how uh, it was Oliver in the, in the article I I dropped last night um, talked about how, important it was for him to see like how they organize the space and how they live in that space and how uh, a couple of the kids have said it felt like the hotel going from the AC hotel to the Deacon. It felt kind of that same lifestyle to where you have, you know, large spacious living area, you have your large spacious bedroom and your own bathroom. So just a lot of different things there that, you know, even kind of going from the AC to the Deacon is a video game room, a golf yeah. simulator, right. uh, a pool, the, 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 the pitching green, like what's crazy is the, the, the one Lytle place that they were at, that they've been staying at was state of the art three years ago until this was built. Yeah. And now it's, it's nothing even close to the, the new place. So, yeah, I mean that they continue to up the bar. And I mean, they're in a unique situation just because the university is making agreements with these, these rental companies, because there's not enough dorm space on campus. So these apartments become quote unquote dorms and they're within the price range that, that the university is allowed to spend on housing. So instead of staying in dorms, they get luxury high-end apartments (laughs) and trade-off. Not a bad trade-off. There's a lot of places that have, you know, of course, like Alabama and Clemson, like their student-athlete dorms are top shelf, but it also costs them $75 million to build said student-athlete dorm. Right. Or Cincinnati just has to, you know, pay for for housing like they would if they were staying on campus. So, Well, yeah, and you listen to the two games that you said, Alabama-Clemson, I mean. A, the place is sharp, like really, really sharp. All, all you got to do, Google the Deacon, and it'll pull it up and go to the photo gallery and look through. I mean, it's it looks like, like if you went to Destin and you stayed at like a condo resort, right? Yeah. Like that's what it looks like. It looks like vacation. It doesn't look like <laughs> this is the apartment I live in in college. A little Florida Gulf Coast minus the beach. How about that? Yeah. And I guess to kind of put in perspective, like some of the kids who were comparing it to the hotel were also saying that the hotel should be like four or five stars because it was the nicest hotel they've ever stayed in. Yeah. So 
for whatever any of that's worth. So the they're names. killing it. They're they're knocking things out of the park yeah. with every step of what they're doing in the recruiting world. So so the names that were there, you've got about what two thirds of of the players that were in attendance are currently committed, and then you yeah. have players players like Account Carroll, Kenzie Lapal, Oliver Bridges, Max Bowman. Is this kind of a strategy as far as getting a bunch of recruits onto campus, see that you can join this class by way of the recruits kind of recruiting themselves? Or do you think it, it's kind of the big influx of these, you know, like Stephen Birds and the Quincy Burroughs, CJ Doggetts, the Tyler Gillisons? Is, is it welcoming them onto campus because they weren't able to have their official visits because of the COVID? Or is it a mix of both? It's a mix of both. I mean, this week was designed to be kind of the, the commits, getting as many of them here uh, and getting, you know, them around each other, getting to know each other. Um, I know there's been a great response to that. Like these guys really hit it off once they got to campus. Um, They're all in and then, chats now. Like yeah. both, both with coaches and without coaches. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think it was like some strategic, I mean, everything they do is it has some strategy to it, but like next weekend it's, it's, I believe almost, if not all uncommitted recruits. Right. So there were just a couple guys that weren't, you know, weren't available or were probably doing something next weekend. So this weekend is when they scheduled for the four guys that weren't committed. Big Shep's going to be there next weekend. Okay. I mean, I figured there would be a couple that yeah. couldn't make it this week, but it's not the heavy dose of, of commits. Well, I mean, they had what, eight, seven or eight commits mm-hmm. and they won't, they've only got 11. So. <laughs> right. All right. Is, um, are these, yeah. would you say the priority players that are uncommitted at this point, or is, you know, is it kind of, we want to get as many yeah. on campus I as mean, possible that we can slide into? No, I mean, this is the top. You're going to bring the top of your board in for an official visit. Official visits aren't cheap. Right. You know, you're not bringing in a guy that you're, you're 25, 75, you know. Yeah. Generally, if you're coming for an official visit, you're in a place where you can commit on the spot and, and they'll take it. You know, that's just the nature of, of how that works. Well, because Aaron, well, Carol has that, that crystal ball to Cincinnati. I know that's, that was put in a while ago. Bridges dropped his top four with Cincinnati in there. It just seems as if he's the the four walked away completely impressed. And Aaron, your your articles kind of really back that up. Uh, my favorite line in that whole Bridges article was his very last line, and it was his last line in our actual conversation, where he was just kind of like, "Yeah, I'm supposed to visit Penn State, but we'll see." <laughs> Which is kind of a a big thing to say, especially with the the landscape and the trajectory that Cincinnati is going to, you know, you mentioned the, seeing a poster of, of them, you know, graphic with them with the Jersey on or something along those lines. You got to think it's a little next level when these recruits are taking in Cincinnati as seeing them as a top 10 school, seeing them week in and week out on the college football, you know, show seeing them week in week out on in college game day, big time scenes, of course, that, Peach Bowl as well. I mean, you've got to think that has a little different effect than you were to have if you walked in and saw your name on a a team to to use Ethan Green that that's in the Big Ten, sure, but might only win you know two, three, four, five games a year. It's going to have a little different feel to it, and I think that's also along the lines of when you hang out with the players. I think that this group, this team, kind of has that that swagger that 
that confidence in them where, hey, you know, we are winners. We're, we're going to have fun. We're going to make sure we show these kids that what it's like to be a winning program. I think all those obviously tie into it as well. Yeah, and if you read the uh, the Oliver Bridges article, uh, he kind of alluded to that in some of the conversations he had with the coaches and like and the players themselves as he was having, you know, with his hosts and with the guys that he was visiting with at the Deacon. Uh, they were kind of talking about how it's not just a, a mantra as far as national championships, conference championships go. It's literally just they're all buying in, and that buy-in carries over to you know, the meetings he had with the coaches and where they weren't just talking about, oh, you're going to be a great guy for us. He said, you know, they were actually breaking down uh, some different schemes, some different formations, some uh, different things that, you know, ways that they'd be able to use him. And then even just showing him some different like footwork or different things that he could do in his own free time, just trying to get better. And it was like things like that that really stood out to him in his visit. So just kind of you know, it's funny that, you know, Kaylin Carroll and Oliver Bridges were maybe two of the quieter kids that I interviewed the first go round when I was interviewing some of the guys uh, as they were here for the spring game or here, uh, you know, for camps or different things. But they ended up being more like some of the more outspoken people this the second time around, which was just really cool to see. And, and both my own evolution as maybe I get better at interviewing these kids, but uh, but also, you know, just kind of them putting a little bit more trust in me the second time around maybe, or, you know, maybe even seeing themselves open up as they feel more comfortable doing this a, a second time. And, and you're clearly getting better at pressing record when you yeah. start the conversation as well, which is always good. I mean, it's really important. There, there were no file corruptions this time around. So. Oh, sure. Sure. Of course. But, you know, speaking of national championship championships, thing of that sort, I know Chad, you guys touched on it on the BCJ pod a little bit, but it, it has gotten more legs ever since. And that is the the twelve team playoff now, which is seems to obviously take the next step. There's three more big steps it has to take before co- becoming official, and of course, it's not going to be implemented next season. But man, this is a monstrous, monstrous development in college football. Uh, one that has to really bring a huge smile to the face of Luke Fickle, and it should to. Bearcat fans everywhere because this is this is something that's going to completely change everything for Cincinnati recruiting development everything if you will when it comes to the Bearcats and the chance to really play for a national championship every year. Yeah, I mean it opens a door that was closed. Right. That's you know that that's that's all you can ever ask for. And we you know we I chatted with with Vic a little bit about it Thursday at camp. And uh, you could tell, like, he had a little, a little wry smile when he brought it up, you know, because he brought it up. <laughs> he was like, you're, you're, you're about to play off. <laughs> <laughs> of course I did, Luke. Yeah, we were talking about something else and he like, he, he wanted me to, to like see his reaction to it. So um, he was, he was definitely energized by it, I think would be the best way to describe it in my end. If you listen to the interview Dan Horde had with him uh, on uh, Extra Innings last night, and you can find that on on Dan's Twitter page if you're looking for it, um, you could tell Luke. I'm telling you, man, he's had this this vibe all off season. This quiet confidence that it, it just continues to grow, where he has just become so comfortable in his skin and so comfortable in this job and, and, you know, pushing this program 
to new heights. Um, and, and that took another jump. So Dan, Dan said it was nobody benefited more. Nobody benefits more from this. If it, if it happens mm-hmm. than the university of Cincinnati. And I think that's, that's fairly, I mean, fairly accurate if you're talking about one specific team because like the reason it's happening is sec and big 10 related because they want to get as many teams into this thing as they can yeah and they weren't going to get really any more than what they already had if they went to eight like the sec might have gotten you know if they went to eight it was going to be the five p5 champs possibly the group of five, but I don't think that would have happened if they went to eight. I think it just would have been top three at large. Right. So, you you know, that if, if that gets two teams in the SEC in, guess what? A lot of years, you're already getting two teams in the SEC in. <laughs> right. So they weren't making anything else. So that's where the this came from. But it benefits. And I, I would the only thing I would say is that I think you have to probably include UCF in there. Um, because I think it benefits UCF just as much as it does Cincinnati. Uh, but but though that's a two-man group. I don't see anybody else uh, jumping up to, to make that challenge. Um, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, though, because I know it's heavy in the mailbag, isn't it? There's a bunch of stuff tied the mailbag tied in general is, is heavy oh the um, mailbag yeah. will get a lot of love tonight there's no doubt about that but aaron, aaron just your initial thoughts when you first saw that well you know, one, really one of the one of the wordings that caught me off guard and correct me if i'm wrong here is that it's not necessarily the power five that get an automatic bid and then no it's the top six the champions from the top six rated conferences so and i find that very interesting especially in the sense that you know, at one point we were talking about adding potentially a Boise State or a TCU or another program of, you know, some decent football clout into this conference. Um, so now you're looking at if they did expand even the AAC to where you could potentially see as years progress and the le- the playing field kind of maybe levels out a little bit because yeah. you don't have kids going necessarily only to these power five schools, because that's the only time you're going to get to make the national stage in the playoffs and what have you. But now you're potentially looking at, you know, maybe the AAC ends up hopping at some point if Cincinnati doesn't end up in another conference uh, or UCF for that matter, or Memphis for that matter, or, you know, if Arch Manning ends up at SMU, uh, we'll see, but. uh, There's a better chance you're the quarterback at SMU. (laughs) I didn't know you had that much confidence in me. I don't exactly. I don't. So, but my point is, you know, you could potentially see the American end up overtaking maybe a Pac-12 in the ratings in an off year, or you know, what happened last year? Well, just last year, yeah. The, but you would have Coastal Carolina and Cincinnati would I, be ahead of the Pac-12. I put an asterisk by that only because you know the the Pac-12, in all fairness, didn't get a fair shake at it, only having played what like six games, if that. Uh, five. That was games. their choice. I yeah, understand. They did that to themselves. I, I'm not. I'm not giving it an excuse i'm just saying that's it was a very wacky and zany year it wasn't a traditional standard year to where maybe you see a usc or an arizona state or stanford or you know one of the washington or oregon schools kind of take off a cal Um, so it was just different uh but you know that that does leave the door open for not just you know one of the teams from our conference 
but the conference as a whole to really kind of start to flex a little bit. And once you see the conference start doing that and you can recruit on the conference, that changes the whole game, really. Yeah, I mean, what it does is it it equals the playing field outside of the upper echelon. You know, you, your, your top of the top is always going to be there. But after that, it really evens things out. And I know there's a recruiting question fixed to this in the mailbag, so I'm going to leave it for that. But, I, you know, I think in the world of the, of the transfer portal, I think this is especially another really big thing, too, where if you have kids from, you know, say they, they're at Penn State, Penn State has a down year, and all of a sudden they're like, you know what, Cincinnati did pretty doggone good last year. They might be able to make it to back into this 12-team playoff again. I'm, I'm going to go there and join that ride. Something along those lines, you know. I I think it's going to be awesome, and and of well, course, where like, it where it gives you more powers, like Kentucky. Like, yeah, sure, you're going to yeah. play in the SEC. Right. Kentucky's never going to be in the top twelve. Right. Indiana, God love what Tom Allen has done, and they're on an uptick right now. But because of their division, yeah, it's going to be near impossible for them to ever get in the top. Michigan State, like yep. there are so many other schools now that are schools that Cincinnati has been competing against in recruiting for the last five years, that now you're going to legitimately be able to say to kids, come here because we have a better chance to play for a title right. than they do. Sure, you can go to the SEC, but do you want to play for a national championship? How about right. that? How about that? So, I mean, obviously it's going to be really fun to see if it continues to progress the way that it does, I think it will because it's money and this is a way for college football to make a whole heck of a lot of money. So yeah, obviously that was a big story. We're going to touch on it more in the mailbag, which by the way, Brady, go, ahead. go ahead. Finish what you're saying real quick. By the way, thank you for joining the mailbag. That was awesome today. We've got quite a lot. And Chad is thrilled to dive into all the questions. <laughs> Absolutely thrilled for every single one. We're going to hit him, hit him with fastballs, see if he can handle the high heat. Go ahead, Chad. Have you seen the top speeds that Brady just released from this week? You know what? I haven't yet. I'll pull it up. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay, okay, no, okay. No. Don't okay. cheat. Don't cheat. Deal. Two guys tied for the fastest this week at 22.39 miles an hour. Can you guess them? Trey Tucker and Drew Donnelly wrong. Your boy, your boy, Chris Scott for the second week, Tyler Scott, Tyler Scott. Yeah. For the second week in a row, the fastest man on campus is Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce. Good. He beat, he beat Tucker by like half a mile an hour last week. Mm -hmm. Trey was not happy with it. So Trey stepped it up today. <clears throat> Who do you think finished third? 21.38 miles an hour. IJ Sanders. No. <laughs> but if this keeps up, he's going to be a first round pick. Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Yeah. 21.38 miles an hour. That is, there is there are concerns about one, his size, two, right. his speed. He is now at 200 pounds. And he's clocking in real fast. Arquan Bush fourth. Wow. Okay. Brian Cook fifth. It's a fast Will Pauling Will Pauling sixth. Michael Young seventh. Desmond Ritter eighth. Twenty point two seven miles an hour. Des been talking a lot of trash before camps <laughs> that he's running sub four four. Like he's he's convinced. Like he's got wheels. 
now. He's tired and crazy. He is. He, yeah, you know, he looks tired. You know how he looks tired. You know how being a new parent and being you know overly <laughs> tired and like just completely senile can yeah. be. So I can only imagine just the mush that his head is right now. Well, well, yeah. I mean, they're doing those all just early. I mean, I'm not a father, so I can't speak on it heavily. But from from the looks of social media, he is checking off all those early fatherhood, you know, pictures and and you know appearances with different family members so you know more power to him i'm sure it, that is a a tough thing to add on top of being a division one athlete but chad i want to go back to this i i think if there's one player on on this roster who you know sure he was out with injury during spring but i that i think has not gotten the amount of love that he probably deserves and yes injury injuries kind of derailed his junior year a little bit it's out pierce i mean you think about when Alec Pierce is at the highest level, you know, you saw it in the Tulsa game, saw it in oh, the yeah. game for the first half. I this mean, is a different is offense a when Alec flight. Pierce is outside. Yes. That, that's a top flight wide receiver in what's going to be one of the best offenses in the country. So, I mean, I don't think he, he is getting nearly the amount of love that he deserves. And sure, injuries definitely affect that. But, man, if, if he can stay healthy the entire season, that is just a dynamic piece that – no one's really, really talking about. Well, yeah, because I mean, especially if you see Tyler Scott continue to emerge opposite him. Right. And then you have Michael, Michael Young, Young you have Trey Tucker, you have guys that can be dangerous in the slot. And then you've got Josh and Lenny that right. you can play with underneath and, and over the middle, like good luck. And then Jerome Ford <laughs> busting off 60 yard runs, running away from defensive backs. Like, what about as the long fact as they can get this line figured out, man? This offense can be really good. What about the fact that Drew Donnelly gets to learn behind Alec Pierce at maybe his peak? And yeah, and you know, if he wants to be the next coming of Alec Pierce, and he gets to learn from him literally as Alec is kind of just you know on that trajectory to the top. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, it, it, it was a hot topic at the beginning of last season was the fact that there wasn't an outside receiver with a catch radius like Alec Pierce has. And Chad, I know, I, I think we took a little flack when we were saying that. And I mean, it's and true. I was right. It's true. I mean, you <laughs> saw his, his first against Memphis too. that, that diving catch. Like yeah. he, he makes He's the only ball, guy on the roster that can make that. Right. He makes any ball that might look overthrown. That might be a little bit too far outside. <laughs> He can haul those in. Bark, bark, bark. I agree. See, we're getting a lot of love out of Tiger, I believe that was. <laughs> Tiger giving us a little side reaction. It's, it's Bear tonight. Bear's got Bear's Bear. a little more yippy. He's smaller. Okay. So okay. he's not as it's not as not as powerful, right. but equally right. as annoying. So I'm gonna okay. have to have a talk with Bear's upstairs with me for the night because Kelsey has a friend sleeping over and Bear likes to eat children. Ooh. So <laughs> that's not good. That is not good. So he has to stay upstairs when there's company. Understandable. Understandable. Adults, he's fine. Ever since Kelly got cancer, he hates kids. Well, let like, me, let me eat you. <laughs> he's trying. He's trying to take a chunk of thigh <laughs> as a souvenir. Okay. Okay. So fair enough. We're gonna have a talk. You guys go ahead for a second. Okay. We're earning that name. Talk. Yeah. Bear. Yeah, earning that name for sure. Bear and <laughs> but, Tiger. I've got right. a, a zoo. Exactly. But yeah, no, no, Aaron. I mean, you you think about it. As you mentioned, like a Drew Donnelly, going to be able to learn under Alec Pierce. I think if Pierce really has a a great season, stays healthy the entire year, 
he joins that list of players that will more than likely get drafted in the upcoming NFL draft. And that just really raises even more eyebrows to see, hey, we can go to Cincinnati, be a wide receiver, excel, and then get drafted. Because I think obviously they've really covered those those positions as far as getting drafted by the NFL at a lot of different places, but wide receiver would be one where you can definitely see that you can go and do it. Well, and we've talked about, even on this podcast, the fact that we think that running back might be a big question mark if there are question marks on that offense. And the Vegas odds for Heisman were released today. And all of a sudden you have not just Desmond Ritter on the Heisman watch list for Vegas, but do you know who the number two was? For the Bearcats? Yeah. Is it Jerome Ford? It is Jerome Ford. I, he is the easy favorite for me to be the the breakout player. And I don't think it's that's not even like making a hot take at all because I we saw the home run ability. It's bouncing on the limb of a redwood. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But but here's the question. He had it seemed as if his main bugaboo last year was maybe ball security. Sure. And that's, that's that's something that, you know, sure, you can teach it as much as you can. You can go through those drills as much as you can. But that's that's got to be you in the end that protects the football at the time that it's needed to happen. And, and For the record, yeah, four fumbles, zero lost. Right, right. So he did put it on the ground four times. Yes. He was fortunate enough to recover all four or have somebody recover all four. But uh, that is not – he didn't have enough touches where he put four balls on the ground. Right. Right. But then, of course, you look at the home run that he hits against Georgia and, and a couple of home runs he had against SMU and other games of that sort where you, you say, OK, well, put the ball on the on the ground four times. If you hit eight home runs, I think it'll kind of uh, kind of even out. But still, that's probably the main thing he's got to work on. And then, of course, behind him, Brady is extremely confident. But I, Aaron, that's a nice little tidbit. Thank you for that. I just wouldn't have expected if you told me that there was another guy on this offense. I probably would have gone with a, a Pierce, maybe even a Young or a Wiley over Jerome Ford. Right. It just right. out of out of all the your main position guys, he probably gets the least amount of love. So just yeah. uh I found it interesting for sure. Well well, you know, it all this adds up to the fact that, you know, I I don't think that Cincinnati is very overrated if if all these things are falling in line. I, see what you I don't there. think uh I don't think Luke Fickle is an idiot for you know Getting, getting this team together and having them be really on the cusp of greatness this season. Well, well, Jack McGuire, I, we're only going to touch on this quickly because I'm sure everyone out there has had their little back and forth with, with Jack McGuire on social media. He is an avid Cincinnati hater. But I have to mention it because if you haven't listened to Mo Egger with Jack McGuire, who works for Barstool Sports, has, has the Unnecessary Roughness pod, um, which Barstool Sports, I, I really enjoy him. I'm, I am a stoolie. I will admit it. Listen to part of my take quite a lot. But, man, Mo Egger took that man, dog-walked him into a dark alley alone and left poor Jack McGuire in there all by himself. I, that was a phenomenal 20 minutes of radio. If you, if you have the time, go back and listen to Mo Egger, interview with Jack McGuire, just asking him, can you back up your strong statements that you made? And instead of backing them up, he took a step back and withdrew every single one. Every one of them. And said, nope, Cincinnati is not overrated. And nope, Luke Fickle is not an idiot. 
And actually, I don't know much about college football at all. College <laughs> basketball for the most part. But still, I digress. It was an awesome segment by Mo Egger. Tip my cap to him. I just want to say – go ahead. Unless no, you go ahead. I was, was going to let you finish it up because I know you had some strong statements uh, as you were forthright with them publicly. But uh, what I did want to say was in this poor kid's defense – not that I actually defend anything that he said, but I will say that the first word fan is fan is the first part of the word fanatic and right. you lose all like we've all been probably more so under the influence of, of copious amounts of alcohol where we've just lost all composure about some type of sports take, or maybe that's just me either way. Um, I've seen can, you in that state. I can relate <laughs> to just, you know, kind of going off the rails about some things. That said, um, yeah, he, he totally walked everything back and, and had no nothing to stand on at that at that point. And the best part, I think, was uh, Mo doing it respectfully and then just laughing, just mm -hmm. could not hold back the laughter and just laughed more or less in his face. Yeah. I'll actually give him credit. Yes. Yes. Because he agreed to do it and he agreed to do it knowing he didn't have an argument. No. Knowing he had no legs to stand on to back what he said. He was trolling. He doesn't like UC. He's made that abundantly clear in his time at Barstool. That's fine. Not, you know, whatever. I have teams that I don't like. Fans all have rivals that they don't like. <coughs> and UConn lost to UC like a hundred times in a row in both sports. Right. So I get why, you know, and he said he, he had an irrational hate for Mick Cronin. I get that. There are a lot, of, are a lot of opposing fans that, yeah. that have an irrational hate for Mick Cronin, the Xavier fan base being amongst the worst. Like they were laughable in their, their disdain for Mick Cronin. Mm -hmm. um, so I get it. And I give him credit for going on knowing he didn't have the goods. Like right. it's one thing. If you go on a show like that, knowing I, I'm going to win this argument, he yeah. went, he, he agreed to go on with Mo knowing he was going to lose. Right. I applaud him for that because that's not easy to do when you know you got no shot to win the argument. Oh, and he just conceded like from the beginning. Yeah. He was like, no, you're right. I was trolling. I I'm an idiot. Right. But so, yes, I applaud him. But you have to admit, man, Bearcat Twitter, Whew. they are up there with with some of the strongest. And sure, I don't follow a bunch of any other team, but. Man, Bearcat Twitter, if they see some something out there, they're going to pounce and they're going to keep going, which it's is... It's a small but united front. It is, yes, very much so. But in the same sense, when you're going to go on a Barstool Sports a national podcast and you're going to say that, there's going to be a lot of just, you know, what do you call them? The Just baseline, borderline fans, not not heavy... Casuals. Yeah, casuals that, that might not know the ins and outs of every team. And you might not also know Jack McGuire hates Cincinnati. And all of a sudden you hear that and you're like, okay, so maybe is Cincinnati overrated? I, I need to listen to this guy saying it, which no, I applaud him for coming onto the show. I don't want to give him too much more time, but you know, I, I thought that it was, it was funny when I saw that. Cause I, cause if you know him, you know that he was trolling from the get go, <laughs> but you've got to come on and, and back it up a little bit. And especially with Mo who, like you said, did it did it so politely, and and 
I don't even think Jack knew at all during the entire time what Mo was getting to until it was too late. Well, that's the beauty. Mo does. Mo likes. Mo likes to do this like with any like Cincinnati social media villain. Yeah. Anybody that that wants to to talk shit about Joe Burrow or the Reds or anybody that that Cincinnati sports social media makes a villain, the the, the first reaction for Mo is to have the person on the show. Yeah. And 90% of the time, Mo just completely dresses them down. And it's phenomenal. And, and they don't know it until after it's done. <laughs> right. It's pretty, it's pretty respectful. Yeah. yeah no, um, it's done. Until he's, until he's laughing at them. Right. Uncontrollably laughing at them. Which, who, who was, was it Jaron who said that about UConn? Or? I think you know, so, yeah. The basketball team. I, which, he seems about the only personality loud enough to have said that. Yeah, it it was someone that just completely just beat UConn by a lot every single time. But still, it was awesome for him to just point at these couple of things with with Cincinnati as the reason why he hates them with a passion. And so, you know what? I I applaud him for coming on. But still, I mean, that was was pretty funny and very enjoyable to listen to. Jack McGuire's overrated. Oh, 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 is that your impression? That was a that was a pretty good impression. I it was funny that the team hopped on board too, and you know Kobe Bryant's like, man, just look at him. Our <laughs> Ar- Bush, man, dude's never played a snap in his life. So I, you Michael know, Young, yeah. So but I did laugh. I did get a laugh when he pulled out his uh, JV MVP plaque. Did you see that? <laughs> oh, I, I was like, man, I was yeah. <laughs> Like he was mocking himself. He's like, what are you talking about? I never played sports. I was the MVP of my JV football team. <laughs> yet again, yet again. It's like, well played, well played. He, he, and he ended up kind of just laughing at himself and, and making a recognition, which, which when you yeah, make a he stance knows like his that, takes are, are ridiculous. Right, exactly. And, and he probably got the exact reaction that he wanted. So he did course. make, he did make sure to point out that Cincinnati, Somewhere on, on Cincinnati Twitter, they did refer to him as Beans, and that was the most hurtful thing that he experienced. Man, that is the side by side is not fantastic for Jack Mac. It's not flattering no. for Jack Mac. No. Fantastic. Beans is uh, he it was good good character on even Stevens, but I don't think you want to be compared to uh, to him. I I was going to invite him on here, but I would not have handled it as professionally as Mel. It was much better that Mo handled that. Oh, it's, it's not FCC regulated. And, and if we would have inked that to him at all, he would have been like, Oh, really? I think, right. he, I think he would have actually gone complete heel and just, yeah, like it would have been like a wrestling, like <laughs> promo when they, when they come out with the mic, it would not have been good for anybody. We would have had to have Dan Ward on as well to be the moderator. <laughs> right. So, so we, we didn't have to say, sorry, Dan, we could just say, Hey, sorry. And he would he would have channeled his inner mean gene. Yeah. Dan, Dan, don't let Sam listen now. I'm just kidding. Well, speaking of things Sam would probably love to hear, let's let's go over to basketball. I you know, I think that uh, just like in football, basketball has ha- been having quite the plethora of visits, uh, whether they be unofficial. I believe uh, an official visit's coming up really soon, but – Mate, you know, who the hell knows? Right. That one seems to be kind of all over the place. Uh, you know, if you can find him, let us know. But there were two names that have kind of really sparked quite the conversation, and it's Paul McMillan and Sean Jones, the two players, obviously two point guards 
in the 2022 class. Um, Sean Jones left with an offer. Paul McMillan, they want a little bit more time to see what he can do this summer. Obviously, the, the verdict's kind of out on the two. It, it, it seems as if you can kind of see the differences in their games. You can see what they can bring at the next level as well. I don't think it's necessarily something you really need to dive too far into, seeing that Paul wasn't offered by the new staff right away. They want to see him. Yeah, because they want to see him. So I think at, at this point, it's more of a both recruitments seem like they're going to be quite a while, not ones that, that the, the decision is going to be made right away. Am I wrong in that assumption, or is that kind of just what it is? It's going to be a longer thing for both of them to make their choices, which is why the staff is going to roll with it that way. I mean, who knows? Until a kid says I'm planning on committing at this time, and even then I don't put a whole lot of stock into it until it actually happens. Right. Um, I, I don't get the sense either. I, I get the sense both are going to go through July right? And and play out the open periods in July and see where things are at, you know, when they get done with that. Um, so we'll see. Um, I mean, I look, the reality is, and I, and I get Cincinnati is maybe the most provincial city in the country. And Paul McMillan is a Cincinnatian. Mm-hmm. Sean Jones is from Columbus. So on the board, good to see my guy Bulldog back, by the way. I've missed Bulldog. Welcome he is back, a, Bulldog. Uh, he's a very polarizing figure. He is very pro-Cincinnati, and he is always going to go to bat for the Cincinnati kids. Um, take him with a grain of salt with that in mind. Uh, but, I mean, Paul had a, a, an average at best spring. And maybe, maybe he has a great July, and, and right. things change. But... What from what the staff is working on, they watched what he did on tape this spring, and it was okay. There are positives, there are negatives. There, there were things to, to concern you. He didn't shoot it well. I mean, I know he shot it well in, in high school ball, but you're jumping up a level in AAU. I think playing on four different teams throws up a red flag that that coaches and, and look. With the transfer portal the way it is, right? coaches do not want to jump in on a kid right now in this climate if they have concerns that he could be a one-year flight risk. And a guy that plays for four AAU teams in a, in a six-week span, those questions are going to come up, right, wrong, or indifferent, you know? <clears throat> so... I mean, I just think there's more questions with Paul than there is with Sean. Sean had an outstanding spring and did it against some high-level competition. He controlled games. He ran the team. When they needed him to score, he got buckets. When they needed him to, to facilitate, he facilitated. Like, And that's not a good all-Ohio red team. It's just not a good all-Ohio red team. So what he did warranted heavier attention in the spring than what Paul got. That's, I mean, you know, you can get mad at that. And that's not to say in a one game setting, it sounds like Paul had a better Xavier camp than Sean had, but 
that's step one and showing in June and July that you're better than what you played in April and May. I mean, I'll never forget. I had a guy, one of the first years that we were out doing this, there was a guy I saw in April and May that I just fell in love with. I mean, I just loved the kid. He was phenomenal in April and May. One of my favorite AAU teams I've ever watched. And then he came out in June and July and, and was bad. Okay. Didn't back up April and May. And a lot of schools backed off of him. He ended up at a high major. And he ended up in the NBA. So you never know. OJ following. No. Brett, Brent will know this one if he thinks hard enough. Okay. He became a star became a star in Bloomington. Oh, really? And he was a uh, Victor Oladipo. There you go. Yeah. And I couldn't understand. I thought Victor Oladipo, when I saw him in April and May, was a lock five-star. Lock. Shut it down. He was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He played with one of Harvey Grant's kids. I can't remember which one. Jerrion, maybe. Yeah, it was Jerrion. And then the kid, Michael Hopkins, that went to Syracuse that had, like, the abnormally long neck. Right. Remember him? Yeah. Like, he looked like he had, like, like had those rings around <laughs> stretching his neck out. Um, Aaron, nice long neck. Very good. <laughs> they, were, they were fantastic for Team Takeover. That was the first Team Takeover, like, when they changed the name and Keith Stevens took over for Team Takeover. That was, the, like, the first iteration. And they were awesome. But he had a terrible June and July, and it kept him like in low three or high three, low four star range when he should have been a five star. So sometimes you have a bad month or two. It's what you do bouncing back from that. We'll see. It sounds like Paul had a really good Xavier camp. He's going to get, I think he's playing down in Kentucky, um, just outside of Louisville this weekend. Uh, The staff is on the road this weekend. So they can get out and they're the they're they can get out and watch high school camps. My understanding is they're gonna be down in Kentucky watching Paul, getting eyes on him, and and furthering their evaluation on what they think. So it's not the be all end all. One guy had a great spring and got an offer. The other guy had an okay spring, and he's a guy that they're gonna monitor and track heavily in June and July. Like it's okay. Those things can happen. That's the evolution of a recruitment. And these guys, it's not like these guys have been in town for four years and have been watching Paul as he's grown up. That's not the case. So allow them to make their evaluation. Allow them to make an informed decision as we go forward. Truthfully, like the fact that maybe they aren't, you know, sold on the fact that they've watched him for so many years that could be on the other side of the coin, a good thing that they're not, you know, just being nostalgic about it or just, you know, kind of what could, could have been, might've been, you know, I mean, they're, they're taking it for face value right now as they see it. Yeah. And, well, well, yeah, and that's and what also, good coaching staffs do. And sure. they're being upfront and honest. And now Chad, as you mentioned, they're going to be down in Kentucky watching him, which is backing up their word, what they said. Uh, and, and just a quick story about Victor Oladipo, actually. Uh, I, so he was on an official visit, and Tom Crean goes very Tom Crean at a baseball game, and I was, just happened to be there randomly. Crean goes out onto the to the field, and 
who knows if it was planned or not, and grabs a mic and just just co- continues to just talk about Victor Oladipo for five minutes about how he's he's a, a player they want to have on campus and made everyone stand up and, and start chanting his name. Oladipo, which then a couple years later is exactly what now they now they hate him. Did it, I, yeah. Now he's Oladipo or Cream. Yes. Uh, <laughs> good answer. Good answer. But Chad, would you, would you say sincere Harris is is in the mix with Paul McMillan and Sean Jones, or is that kind of um, the difference? I, I don't think sincere Harris is a point guard. Right. Right. I think he's an aggressive downhill scoring combo guard. He's got much better size than the other two. Um, I don't think he is in that same recruiting realm because I just the other like Paul and Sean are point guards. I, I don't get the sense that Sincere is a point guard. I think he's a guy that that can handle. And I haven't seen him live yet, so this is just going off watching a bunch of tape and right. uh, talking to people that have seen him in April and May. Um, I, I don't get the sense that he is a guy you just give the ball and let him run your team. Right. So I think he's in a little bit different um, category. He he also did not get an offer. Um, mm-hmm. He did get one from Xavier. I think he got one today from Illinois. Right. But it just goes to show this, this staff is not uh, – we talked about this last week. The staff is not Virginia Tech. They're, they're not throwing out offers to every kid that they, they, they glance at sideways. Yeah. You know, they want to make sure one, you're fit one or two, you can play and three, you're going to be the, the, the type of guy that's not looking to jump after one year on campus. If things don't go exactly how you, you want them to go, because look, man, here's the other reality we're looking at most of this roster coming back in 22 mm-hmm. as things currently stand in terms of eligibility. So guards and wings, like it's going to be crowded next year here. Right. So you're going to have to be selective and make sure you find the right kind of guy. The RKG as Brian Kelly used to, to, to label them you're going to have to find the right kind of guy to make sure that he's going to be able to withstand maybe the frustration of not playing as much as a freshman as you would, you would potentially have liked to. Well, I was just going to say just real quick, you know, one of the things that coach West Miller said very early on in his tenure here at Cincinnati is just, he wanted to make sure that when you got an offer from Cincinnati, it meant something. He wasn't just out willy nilly throwing, you get an offer, you get an offer, you get an offer. So, you know, kudos to him to staying true to his word. Well, yeah, and, and also you do have to mention, Chad, you kind of mentioned it was is the transfer portal, you know. <laughs> what if you all of a sudden yeah. offering numerous players and they all are like, yeah, I want to come, I want to come, I want to come. And before you know it, you don't have any options left, any scholarships left for, you know, a player that you might have been talking to that suddenly hits the portal and and you really see him as a really good fit for the team. Uh Two other names, obviously, Jacob Connor, who I think is really interesting. I don't think he's going to be someone that they'll really go after too hard. I'm, I'm not too sure, but, I mean, that, that dude skyrocketed in height, and he's just putting posters all over everyone. Had one at, at the uh, team camp up in Norwood over the weekend. And then Sage Tolentino, that one's really been touched on in the uh, on the board quite a lot. He, that seems to be a very intriguing one. I don't know. What he's all committed. He's that. committed to Auburn until he's not. 
right. is what I'll say on that. I mean, I think he legitimately wanted to um, get a look because they're 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 putting down some roots here. If you don't know, he's from Hawaii. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, his family moved to Hamilton because if there's any one place in the world I would go from Hawaii, it's Hamilton. <laughs> I mean, they're Christ. very. They're very similar. Talk about two places. It's like looking in a mirror. Heaven and hell. Hawaii and <laughs> Hamilton. It's a wild deal. That's a wild deal. Uh, no offense to anybody in Hamilton. I'm just saying it's not Hawaii. I just feel like you look in the mirror at one point and you're just like, what happened? I, th- I think you look at your parents at one point and you go, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did you do to my childhood? <laughs> we were in Hawaii. Hawaii. No, yeah. But still. Um, so I, I think it was legitimately like, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic. And it, it, this is not something. And, and like I said on the board, I thought this would be something that we saw a little bit more of where committed guys were taking unofficial visits um, just to, to experience it. Right. Because most of these guys haven't experienced it because of the pandemic. Like they just, they didn't get to go through it last year. Uh, as they were going into their rising junior year. So I thought we'd see it more. We haven't seen it as much as I thought. Um, I'm not putting too much weight into it yet. But if he does open things back up, you've, you've made your, your case. You know, you, you've put yourself in position on a kid that at seven foot looks pretty good. Yeah. I, when he committed to Auburn back in October, so... Yeah, obviously wasn't able to visit then. He'll probably make a visit down there, but sure. <clears throat> if he takes away his commitment, then could really be a name to watch out for. Uh, Gabe Cups, known to uh, challenge LeBron James every once in a while to a three-point contest. You know, if, if you're going to challenge LeBron to a, to a contest, I would say three-point contest might be the one that you want to go for, but uh, LeBron beat I, him in that one. I have a problem with Gabe Cups that is not Gabe Cups' fault. What's that? He plays with a dude that I is awesome. 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 UC can't get him because if, if he's as good as we think he's going to be, and he is as good as we think he's going to be, he's going to go to Kentucky. Uh, well, because his name's Reed Shepard. Okay. So last name ring a bell? Dax. No. Fill us in. Jeff Shepard played at Kentucky. Was really good. Kentucky okay. boy. That's his kid. And he's really freaking good. And when you watch that AAU team play, Cups hits hits some threes. He's a he's a he's a good passer. He's a solid floor general. Um, I don't know yet how he projects, and he's a 2023. Right. Um, I imagine he'll be one of the guys they call at midnight tonight. You know, there's that's one of the mailbag questions, but I, you know, he's been to campus today, so I imagine that'll be one of the guys that they talk to when when you're allowed to contact 2023 prospects at midnight tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, he's one of those that I like him. Right. I don't love him yet, and and I'm openly admitting. That could be because he plays with Reed Shepard, and I just really, really enjoyed watching Reed Shepard play. I, I saw three games where, when the ball left Reed Shepard's hand from three, you just you 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 wrote it down. 
the epitome of just 23 foot layups. Bang, bang, bang. Whoa. They played, they played uh all Ohio Red. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for Sean Jones just losing his mind right before halftime and through most of the second half, that Whoa. would have been a 40 point game. I mean, it was it was an 18 point game in like seven minutes. Because they Reed Shepard was just banging threes. <laughs> Uh, and then Sean Jones finally woke up and was like, all right, I guess, I guess I'm gonna have to do this on my own and got him back to where it was a one possession game at the, at the end that, uh, that Reed Shepard's team ended up winning. But so, yeah. Shepard seems pretty big time. Uh, he's, I, I joked with the person that, that tipped me off the cups was coming. I was like, is he bringing Reed Shepard with him? That would be great. <laughs> Reed Shepard's top 40. I think he's, I think he's, if he can, if he gets another inch or two on him, cause he's 2023 20, and he's already a good six, three, six, four ish. Mm-hmm. He gets up to six, five, six, six. He's a five-star lock. And he's going to Kentucky. Cause not only did you mentioned his dad went there, his mom is in the top 10 all-time scorers in Kentucky basketball history. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of a, uh, legacy leading him to Kentucky. And this is not like, this is not one of those typical, like, let's get a, let's get a token Kentucky kid on the roster. Right. So he's this not related. Is, he's not related to Dax. I, I don't think so. I don't, can we so. hang up on him? <laughs> Chad, Please. you're not supposed to get mad until the mailbag. Hold it in. I didn't say I was mad. I just asked if we could hang up on him. Right. So I didn't have to listen right. to it. anymore. <laughs> I'm getting ready for the mail. I'm preparing yes. for the mailbag because we've already gone an hour. Yeah. And this is a 40 minute, like let's get well, to the mailbag. Well, I well, before we went there, of course, Leon Bond is that name that we'll see when that visit happens. And when it does, I'm, we'll be all over it. Chad and, and Aaron, I did want to get just real quick snippets. Cause I know that you both have had, have, have heard from people that were at. I'll, open I'll let Aaron handle this one. Okay. Aaron, this you is were- Aaron's, this is Aaron's first time. <clears throat> talking to anyone that was open gym right so aaron i you know chad has gotten his accounts he's not the only one with little birds okay well well then sit back and tell me so i had heard that (laughs) i had heard that there was uh you know i mean they they had mike saunders they had you know ado was was there he was moving around and he was finally uh getting out on the court and he had a sequence where he blocked Odie three different times on the same possession. Embarrassing. A uh, couple minutes later though, you did have Mike Saunders complaining about not being on the floor enough and, you know, not being able to get into a r- rhythm and flow of things. So he, you know, uh, don't lose. <laughs> you want to get into a flow with open gym. You got to win, man. He, he what open gym is about apparently i mean maybe he was a little hung up in his Allen iverson conversation i don't really know <laughs> but a perk of demar johnson but continue. there there has been victor Locken sightings and he uh he can do some things as far as you know the steals saw a couple of those or the little bird saw saw a couple of those and uh you know, there there was just some some different things that he was doing, moving around on the court, but he 
Pretending like you weren't there is harder than you think, isn't it's it? It's very difficult. <laughs> I'm, I'm, to, I'm told that, that he almost broke his own ankles at one point. So he's still got a, a long way to go in that whole recovery and kind of getting back to basketball form in general. Right. Rust, yeah. Uh, that said, though, I hear that, you know, Mace is still doing some things, talking a lot of trash. Him and, and DeJulius just kind of up on each other's grills and just a lot of a lot of smack talk. I don't know that all of it necessarily comes from a good place, but it just kind of is what it is at this point. And I think that's just who they are in general, just guys who are going to talk shit on the court. Once you step in between those lines, nothing else really matters, regardless of where the team what, – what team you, you – the, what's unfortunate is you did not talk to somebody that got to see AJ McGinnis play well, because I'm told he didn't play well when the person that you talked to was there or he didn't do much. Not that he didn't when play my, well when my little bird was there. Yeah. Your little bird saw a day that AJ McGinnis didn't get to do a whole lot, which is unfortunate because he is an equal trash talker to I, those I, two guys, maybe a little bit more. I hear he played several games though with his hood up, which kind of ruins your peripheral a little bit, like not really understanding why he would have played several games of basketball wearing a hood up. Hoodie, hoodie, hoodie mellow is one of the best basketball players. I mean, that's a, ever. that's a basketball thing now in it, open gyms. It takes a little while to get to that point. I think though. I, I, I admire the confidence. You know what the the competition element I think is one thing that you can really point to during an open gym scenario because if if you're just out there going through the motions then you know sure but if you're out there and every time you step in between the lines like you said Aaron and you want to win and you're gonna you're gonna talk you're gonna try and get under the opponent's skin even if it is your teammate and once you leave those lines you're gonna hug them and, and hang out with them and be with them. I think that says a little something to the to the competitive nature, and I think that that's huge. And I think that's what Wes Miller obviously loves and wants to bring out of these guys. The the little bird did tell me though that of all the guys that he did get to see play, I think you should probably be most excited about uh, as far as new guys go. Probably most excited about Abdul, and and just what he brings to this team because the little bird thinks that it it might not be something that you've seen down low in a very very long time i think the difference with him is it's uh, the things he does like here's where you have to be careful on open gym there are some things guys do that just aren't relatable you know because if you're doing something and there's no help side defense so there's no real like defensive communication there's no um you know, rotations there, you know, the, it's easy to do things that aren't repeatable. The things Abdul Ado does are repeatable, right. rebounding, blocking shots. Uh, the, the, the little bird that I talked to said a couple times in traffic, he had really showed really good hands, strong hands uh, where he had the ball and didn't get it knocked away and was able to get it up on the rim and finish um, really good, like picking and, and diving not a pick and roll where you kind of loop, but a pick and dive where you're, you're going, you're running straight to the rim after the pick uh, and, and being able to catch and finish. Um, so I think the things that he did from what I've heard 
are things that are translatable to a uh, to a, a real game. What your your little birdies have something to say? I was telling you about just, my little birdies. I I just feel like my little bird and your little bird should maybe get together and workshop this a little bit better. You know, you know what though? What fun is that? That's not how <laughs> a podcast works. Yeah, I, this isn't a what? fucking sitcom. I like the way you guys did that. That was good. Good job playing back and forth. Your your birdies did a good job. But I got my birdies right here. You see them? Chad's favorite birdie is Twitter. One on each shoulder. <laughs> Three little birds. Have you ever birds. thought about having a cockatoo? I've been watching videos lately of people that have cockatoos. You know those things live to be like 800 years old? Yeah, you got to you gotta will them. Yeah. And they I'm talk? Not... Yeah, I, this one lady was like, oh, he was with his other family for 27 years. <laughs> <laughs> That bird can get drunk legally. That's longer than most marriages. And he's got like 50 more years with this new lady. (laughs) Our pet's heads are falling off. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it was a quiet bird. You know, I, you know, but back to basketball real quick. And then we're going to dive into the mailbag. Why do we have to go back to it? I thought we stayed on it. Well, we were talking about three little birds, you know, sat on my window. And and doorstep. that's the thing. Yes, doorstep. Doorstep. Yeah, sure. Same thing. But anyway, this is a message for you. To, um, back to what I was saying. My favorite Bob Marley song. Thank you very much. But think about having the options of of and Abdul Adel, and then you take him out and you bring in a Hayden Cobal. How tough it's going to be to scheme against those Aaron. two players. What would you say, based on what your little bird told you, what would you say to the people that compared Abdul Ado to the former seven-foot center you're that came about, over? You're talking about Hayden Koval, right? Yeah. Not Ado. Yeah, Hayden Koval. Sorry. Hayden Koval. I hear he's much more fluid in his moving. And I don't know if, if you like hands on, uh, on, on like, tip, tipped passes, tipped shots deflections if you will i feel like that's a a blast from the past term that that people like to kick around every now and then for fun um if you're looking for that my little bird has been singing about hayden koval <laughs> oh there it is there it is which is good obviously <laughs> but but that one-two punch in the post is unlike what we've seen in years as as you guys have said so yet again Plenty more excitement. Wes Miller firing up that team. What we're going to do now is fire up the mailbag. Aaron, hit us with them quick, and we're going to dive in and not come out until we are done. Hold on. Let me get a drink of bourbon. Ready. (laughs) Well, that changes my question. No, it doesn't. Just fire away. It totally did. Let's go. went to a whole different tab. Uh, no real questions. Just I like when Chad gets mad. Any update on non-conference basketball matchups and any chance we had a football transfer? I feel like the, the vein in your forehead is about to just bulge. Well, I think, Here, Chad, you, you teased an, an upcoming home and home with Alabama, didn't you? On the no, <laughs> I teased and quit fucking talking about Alabama <laughs> in a recruiting thread. There's nothing to do with Alabama. That's what that was. In case anybody was wondering, um, 
I think we are going to see the, the four marquee games that we know. Georgia, Xavier, and the two games in Kansas City. And from there, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of A&Ms. I think there's going to be a lot of directions. Uh, I think Wes is probably going to take the stance that with this team, it is probably wise to take a little time in the non-conference to build some cohesion. Uh, I don't think necessarily that that will be the plan long-term, but I think right now, uh, you know, I, I, I think they are trying to get the NKU game done. I know there have been some uh, disagreements on who wears the pants in that argument is what I'll say. Um, but they are trying to get the game at NKU done. I don't, I don't get a warm and fuzzy feeling that the Louisville game happens. Uh, so we'll see exactly how that plays out. My guess is Chris Mack is trying to uh, strong arm stick it to UC as best as possible, given what happened. If either of those games happen, I hope they're announced with a red border around the uh, the tweet. <laughs> Just say. Um, so that's kind of where we're at on on scheduling. Uh, you know, I, I think you're gonna get some some nice games. But I think the majority of this non-conference season is going to be about setting culture, building culture, and not putting yourself in a situation where you have seven out of your 13 non-conference games being games that are at best coin flips. Um, and I think that's important to kind of set the tone for how this, this West Miller era is going to start. Uh, football transfers. <clears throat> I'm just next question. We're on to we're on those, to Cincinnati. Those four games though could could carry the out of conference. Well, like, they're gonna have to. I mean, they're the right. they're big, I mean, they're, they're the four marquee games. Yeah. Right. But potentially they could you could look back and say, okay, that's really good. And then if you get one of those other directional schools that happen to have a good season in conference, then that, you know, I guess it could be an additional one. But yeah. I don't think I don't think Western Alabama AM is gonna carry the marquee. Oh, is no. there a Western? Is there a Western Alabama A and M? That'd be pretty cool if there was. I, I just made so. that up. I made it up. Right, Brent. You said you want to go fast. Well, yeah, that was quick. Go ahead. I, I want to go fast. Uh, how does uh, the NIL work in terms of money? Who pays impact? I know you kind don't of touched on, on this in, in the in the mailbag itself. Do you know who pays impact or? All right. It's, it's all new. There's not a whole lot of information out there on it anyway. We're all it's kind all... of finding out together. Yeah. I mean, think about this. It's all um, hypothetical. Well, no, it's not. Nothing's happened yet. Right. Like, so it is kind of hypothetical. I mean, they're, they're positioning themselves. Here's the thing I would say. Uh, I can't imagine impact is working for free one and two, there's no chance the universities are getting cut on an individual player's name, image, and likeness checks. I know that was one of the, like one of the questions that somebody I just think the, the important takeaway here is the fact that the school is in full support of the situation. And I don't know that you're really seeing a whole lot of schools come out ahead of all of this. Most schools are. Most schools are, are because they know. Like there's, It's not going to be a good look if you're not yeah, on that side of the aisle. You're killing your recruiting if you come out and say, we're against this. Well, maybe so, I just don't follow enough other schools. Well, And also fair. a big thing about A lot of name- times I don't follow enough other schools, even if I try. A big thing about the name, image, and likeness is that 
if if an athlete goes to like a, a signature thing or or has like you know some sort of a you know thing where they're making money, I I don't think they can wear anything with the C Paul on it, you know, or or have right. like show show affiliation. So UC would not get any money because it's it's the athlete using his name image and likeness. So yeah. Well, what I think would be interesting is is like I talked about on the BCJ pod, like football is already generating logos for these guys. If you look at the, the graphics for the kids that are committed in the 2022 class, right. Those, they yeah. have their own logo. Yeah. But their like, initials gonna, are number and yeah, whatever, whatever design that they came up with, they, they have their own branding. So when they, when they go to bear serious business here, buddy. All right. <laughs> Calm down. When they go to these signings, they're probably going to be wearing a hat or a t-shirt with their logo on it. Right. You know, because that's that's how you're going to market this. Talk to your dog the same way you talk to me. It's crazy. Aaron, you are his dog. You, Aaron, you both. Serious business here. Shut up. You both, you both listen about the same. <laughs> At what point does a basketball school become a football school? Recency bias plays a part and how well positioned football now is to stacking historical seasons. I love both started with hoops, like most of the UC fans. Um, I actually wanted to touch on this because I was thinking about this as we were talking earlier in the pod. Um, you know, as the conference potentially shapes itself out, especially with the 12 team playoff coming about, depending on what the conference does, they very well could be in a place to kind of flip the script to where that football program becomes even more important now than what it has been. Here's the problem it takes a lot more money to be a football school than it does to be a basketball school takes a lot more commitment a lot more money a lot more resources um and you got you know look at it like this like it's 2021 uc has been a football school uc's been good at football for what 10 of the last 15 12 years? years yeah i just don't think it's crazy yeah. to think that if this is what launches them into a bigger conference that that much faster you become a football school than you are a basketball school. But look, man, this place identifies as a basketball school. I understand. Go, go look at go look at the page views for Bearcat Journal during the John Brandon saga. If we took and down the a hiring of Wes Miller. If we took down a national championship, though, I mean, if this year went just completely off the rails and somehow we end up even in a national championship, you don't think that has is going to have like just reverberating effects for the next several years? Of course. Exactly. But right. that doesn't make I'm it saying, a football school. But I think that the program is that much closer to be taking those types of steps is, is my point. I don't think that we're going to be there even within the next five years to where like football is completely taken over to where basketball is an afterthought. My point is I think that it's moving in the right direction. And I think that it's easier for it to get there at this point in time than it ever has been. Yeah, with I think the things that are in place. Recency bias is the main sure phrase right there. Because yes, recently football has been the greatest. But if you go back historically, basketball dominates. I I mean they're top twenty, yeah, I mean, top ten by some people. I mean, <laughs> where do you think football is? Like top they're like fifty in terms of AP ranking, AP polls, you see as a top ten program ever. Right. I don't like know that. that you see. I don't know that you see football as a top seventy-five football program right. ever in their history of, of football. 
Now, if Luke Fickle was the coach for 100 years, then you would say. Then we have a different conversation. Exactly. I I love that conversation. (laughs) I mean, it's because, sadly, the way it is, it, it was a stepping stone school for quite a while. And basketball was really never that. Could you imagine how different this would be if they hired Scott Satterfield? <laughs> we'd be, we'd be okay. Well, he'd have been already gone. 500 next year, but he'd, he'd have been, been already gone right away. Like he was trying to get out of Louisville. Yeah. After a Man. year and a half, two years. Like, of course he, if he would have won it all, he would have tried to get the hell out. Right. All right. The so fact here- that they navigated those waters. And made the Luke Fickle hire. Oh, you talk about change, changing our lives. <laughs> and the fact that we're actually having a debate on whether this is going to be a football or basketball <laughs> school means, hey, football is doing quite a lot. Yeah. Trending in the right direction for sure. So here's a good one for Chad. Do you reach out to Wes or staff for updates on the kids? Or does Wes or staff give you updates on anything new? Whatever happens, how does that differ from the past staff? Also, everyone's happy that Kelly's back home. So now you can't be mad about the questions. I see what they did. <laughs> I, pretty well, smart. I, I'm not going to tell. I'm, I'm not the type to post on Twitter. I'm not going to do what everyone thinks I'm going to do. You know, I opened my uh, college graduation with that line. I had to give a speech at my college graduation. And I walked up there and said, I'm not going to do... Everybody thinks I'm going to do and flip out, man. <laughs> you have a little Jack Black in you. That's not Jack bit. Black. It's not Is Jack it? Black, though. No. At all. It's I dazed and confused. It's uh, Half-Baked. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Half-Baked. Jim Brewer from Half-Baked. Continue. Um, okay, anyhow. <laughs> He's not back in 30 minutes. I'm calling Domino's. <laughs> uh, Strawberry popcorn. So pop 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 pop. <laughs> Don't get me. I could do days of confused like <laughs> word for word. Such a great great Abra, movie. Cadabra. Abra Cadabra. <laughs> Abra Cadabra. Did you know Samson Simpson died? And I I almost cried. I want to talk to Samson. Literally, I almost cried. One of my favorite cuts. When I did, uh, when we had a, a, a show on uh, the fan with me and Skinner, Skinner's dad was from Cuba. So he would always mention at times Cuba. And I had a drop that was Samson Simpson going, Yes, Cuban B. <laughs> Remember, he called him Mexican and, and the little Mexican, I'm Cuban B. Yes, Cuban B. <laughs> Uh, okay. Anyway. People are, people are going to be so mad that this isn't actually a, a, a timestamp that they can fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I at again? I forgot. I lost my place. Samson. You just. I want to talk never, to Samson. Take me never, to the moon. Get me lifted. I'm young, black, and gifted. I've never seen Brent this completely thrown off in all my life. <laughs> You've never I've, watched Half Baked, have you? I've seen Half Baked once, but once uh, he was half baked. He doesn't remember. Maybe twice, sure. But uh, yeah, that's I, a fully man. <laughs> there with yeah. <you. laughs> my favorite line in the whole movie. 
when he does the whole, I'm not going to do what everybody thinks I'm going to do and flip out. And he's like, who's coming with me? And then Jan's like, I'll come with you. Yeah, you be my girlfriend, and she's like, I would, but I'm a lesbian, I'm a big dyke. And he's like, (laughs) Oh god, he goes, What's that like? That's my favorite. What's that like? (laughs) I love Jim Brewer. Do you reach out to Wes or staff for updates on kids, or does the staff give you updates Um, on anything? How's that different from the past staff? Here's it it doesn't differ. Um, here's what I'll say I'm not. I'm not going to put on Twitter about how many times I ran into Wes and Luke and uh, we had converse, great conversations and how awesome they are. Dinner with it, candles. It's part of my job. And if I have questions, I have a lot of good places to go to get answers. I'm like Radio Shack. You have questions. You have questions. We have answers. I have answers. That's a dated I, reference. I, I was a manager for Radio Shack for, for quite a while. Man, goes way back, and then finally one day I was like, "Screw this! I'm getting back into broadcasting. This sucks." <laughs> You're like, cool. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I like I was I was like I was managing a store like a million dollar store, and one day I just was like, "I'm not going into that." And the GM called me when I was in the shower, and he's like, "Are you coming into there? Like, what's going on?" And I'm like, "Hey, bro. Like, I think we're good. Like, you're gonna probably have to find a new manager for that store." <laughs> I, I just booked a trip to Amsterdam and I'm going to be back. Like you, you guys aren't my plans when I get back. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving out too many details tonight. That's, that's probably accurate. How does the um, potential playoff? I was just going to keep going. If you were done. Got, I, look, I have a lot of good relationships at UC. If I need to know things, I, I have a way to get answers. Little birdies, if you will. <laughs> So how does the potential playoff football expansion affect football recruiting? I think we've touched on that enough tonight. Yeah, I mean, I, I it, it's it's big. Do you it, think it's going to affect conference realignment? I think that's probably the more important part of this question. Uh, if I'm the American Athletic Conference, there's no chance in hell I'm adding anybody right now. No chance. Right. What's Why? You just got handed a golden ticket. If this goes through, if this becomes, you know, what we think it's going to become, why in the world would you just let somebody, you know, jump back in and, and, and try to get their hands on it? Boise will (laughs) never have the strong enough conference schedule to, to, to leave an AAC team. It depends, you know, if it's one of those years where like the AAC champion has three losses, you know, three losses and Boise's undefeated, right? That, that might work out, but the large majority of the time, the way things are currently constructed, why in the world would the AAC add anybody? And I think we were heading down a path where adding somebody was inevitable, Right. Well, I mean, even if you saw some success out of, you know, continued success out of like a coastal or a Liberty or a, no, I, I have no issue cherry picking out of like the sun, just for travel distances alone or an Appalachian state. Appy would probably be the closest just because they, you know, that they, they've proven they're not a flash in the pan. In the three years they've been four years, they've been D one. 
Yeah, but I mean, they were a monster in one double A. I'm just saying it's it's amazing. And then the transition. Oh, it is. But it's it, it also was put in place because they've had, you know, a history of success. Good coach. Now that dates back. I mean, when did the Michigan upset happen? Was that 20 years ago? 25 years ago? Uh, no. I'm not that old. That was when? 2007. That was. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. That was 2007. You got it already? Really? Yeah. Because I was. like it was back towards like. I was a senior in high school. The early 2000s. We played LaSalle LaSalle at Nippert. 2007. And it was. It was Devere Posey on LaSalle's team and and uh also uh JK Schaefer and, and and we beat them. We we beat LaSalle. Continue. Yay! Yay! All right. So, <laughs> yeah. Is there any truth to the narrative? Landon McMillan also gets you Griffith and the Bug Boy from Dayton, drawing a blank on his name. Bug boy is what we're going with. Big big boy, I believe. Sean Phillips would be the I'm reading the words as they about. as they're typed. Right. I, I don't think I there's. I didn't know if maybe he had like a last name was like flies or something. <laughs> I don't think there's any correlation to that. Um, we'll see. I mean, I know Paul and Rayvon are fairly tight. So maybe one could help with the other, but I think they're both going to make their own decisions. And. Sean Phillips is going to go wherever he wants to go. Like, I, I, I don't, there's no indication that those three are any kind of package deal. All right. So it looks like Andre Morgan's recruiting priority target is Sean Jones. It also looks like Mike Roberts is focused on Leon Bond. If those things are true, do you have any idea who Chad Dollar is prioritizing? Uh, I've got some ideas. I think we'll see those ideas come to light a little bit more in July. So, or, or maybe over these next couple of weeks, because the coaches are out this weekend and next weekend at high school events. I think kind of goes, um, goes back to your, you don't want to jump the gun either, like and put all your eggs in one basket when you have. There's still a lot of evaluations being made. Like you have to remember they're, they're doing all of this on tape. And I know people freaked out about this, about John Brand. But every coach is like this. They want to make in-person evaluations. Well, and can you develop on that a little bit more as to what the intangibles are that you see when you're in person as opposed to just seeing tape? Just to clarify. They want to see how the kid acts when he gets taken out of the game. They want to see how the kid acts when... The opposing team is at the free throw line on the other end of the court, and the coach calls a player back to talk to him, usually a point guard, right, because he's giving him instructions. They want to see how he interacts with his teammates in the layup lines. They want to see how he interacts with his teammates after a loss. You know, is he, is he good with his boys, or does he walk, grab his stuff and walk solo you know, away from the team. There's a lot of stuff that tells you about who the kid is. Clues is how I would probably put it as to who the kid is off the court. Where on tape, you just see who the kid, for the most part, you just see who the kid is between the lines. 
And trust me, coaches watch all of that stuff. They want to know all of that stuff. How is he as a teammate? How does he take coaching? Does he have, you know, like when that coach calls the point guard over while the other teams at the other, you know, at the other end shooting free throws, what's the conversation like? Is that kid giving you feedback, like quality, usable feedback on what's happening in the flow of the game? Or is he just like, you know, trying to get wait for you to shut up so he can get back and play? Like that stuff's all important. So that that's the stuff that coaches really feel like in terms of building culture, in terms of finding the right kids, in terms of finding guys they think are going to fit and going to stick because that's the newest thing, man. Not are they going to commit, but when things get tough, are they going to stay? Because things always get tough. It's not easy for anybody. So that's why they want to get on the road and see these kids. They want to see those pieces of the puzzle answered. There are some kids that are one that a guy like, you know, a guy like Sean Jones has been building his reputation in the state for a long time. So especially, you know, he's been the point guard for all Ohio red for, for 15 under 16 under 17 under like, the, the book is out there on Sean Jones and who he is as, as a player. So, but there are guys that are talented enough that you don't have to worry about really, you know, making sure the secondary stuff is on point. If you're going to take a kid that you are, that you think is a little bit on that, that borderline is a little bit closer to a guy that might take a couple years. Because I, I think now, like, this is what it, people aren't talking about. I think now, like, the biggest risk are, like, guys that Mick used to thrive on. Like, taking a Trey Scott, taking a Justin Jennifer, taking a Justin Jackson is dangerous now. Because those guys took two and three years to really find their niche in college basketball. And they all became outstanding players. But it didn't happen right away. And right, like, if you look back, Trey had the red shirt. Justin was like 11th or 12th on the roster his freshman year. Jackson. Yeah. Justin Jennifer was probably 13th. He, at one point, almost got cut from the team, did he not? Not, not, not cut, but I mean, like. There he, was some, like, you need to get it figured out. I think he was looking at transferring, out. right. Yeah, there was some, like, you need to get it figured out. I worry about that, like that. Honestly, if we're if we want to go back to like the the Paul thing, that's where I think things are the most interesting with Paul, because I think if given a year or two, Paul McMillan could be really really good as a point guard in the American Conference. You know, towards the end of his sophomore year, going into his junior year, and then like an All Conference type guy as a senior. The question is, if he's ninth on the depth chart, tenth on the depth chart as a freshman. Does he stick around to find out? So that's, that's such a major, major factor in this entire puzzle building process. Now that the portal is there, it, it, it's it, it, it's coaches have a large task in front of them. A question I have then, I guess, kind of building on all this is, did you, you submit it to the mailbag? No, 
but then it's, I, I don't want to hear it. It's relevant. I, I because I'm curious. According to you, that's fine. I'm curious <laughs> though if you at this point do you have a position on your coaching staff to where you're actively almost like recruiting your own guys more so than ever, like to where like that's their main goal is to build and maintain those relationships even harder than like to where that's literally their job. No, I mean it's there's already somebody on staff that that's their job. I mean, but has that always been a thing or is that more so a focus now? Because no, it's, all, it's, it's, it's always been like, it's always been a thing, but now their job is evolving. That job is, I mean, it's the, the director of player development. Well, and I w- would have assumed as much, but I didn't want to necessarily say like, oh, this is DeMar's job now. No, it's DeMar's job. 100%. It's DeMar's job to like connect with these guys. And it, it, it's, it's the assistant's job and it's Wes's job too. Like there's sure. a lot to it, <clears throat> but that's, that's what DeMar's primary responsibility in the program is right now is if these guys have issues, helping them work through those issues, helping them stay connected to the university, helping them stay connected to the team and making sure that you like retain them long-term. At least now we have a kind of better idea anyway of what DeMar's roles and responsibilities include so from what you've heard from the open gyms and early workouts largely through little birdies uh how did the the games of mason and aj compare they sound very similar six three snipers both with weaknesses and other aspects of their offensive games and lacking higher end athleticism i've seen some videos that probably run a little counter to that but is it fair to say they'll be competing I think both are more than athletic enough i mean white men can't jump is on one end of the spectrum and the other end of the spectrum is uh, uh, just offensively a dog. I think AJ is more advanced offensively than Mason. Um, I think they're both about the same level as a shooter. I think AJ is a little bit more uh, at this point. They're both at basically the same stage, right? They're both yeah. under recruited guys that are trying to like prove with, that they belong playing with chips. On their shoulders, um, yeah. I think Mason's more ready defensively than AJ is. Like that's my that's my biggest concern with AJ so far is that I think he can get you buckets. I don't know that he can stop Brent from getting to the cup. I got a I got a mean right right handed drive. I'll tell if you he, what. If he if he puts that shoulder down, hey, hey, AJ's not stopping him. Good luck, Brent. Brent, like speaking of the the weed movie genre, Brent was very Matthew McConaughey right there. Like, I, I got a mean right hand drive. I tell you what, all I do. Right, 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 all right, all right, all right. right. You're not lying to you one bit, guys. One bit. <laughs> so, is it fair to say they'll be competing for the same role early on, or do you, or do their games actually um, have a major difference? I think the hard part for me to answer right now there is we we don't have John Newman yet. Right. I want to see like what, what spot, like is John Newman that legit, like, like three, you know, that, that you've got on that you need to have on the floor because of his defense. If he is, and he can still have add some scoring pop, then yeah, I think, you know, you're looking at a situation where McGinnis and, and Mason are fighting for minutes at the two. So my little birdie says that the difference that he saw is simply that one can create their own shot, whereas one kind of plays through the scheme. And I think AJ McGinnis is probably the guy that can more easily, more readily create his yeah, own shot. For sure. But can he get on the floor because he, he can't defend? 
I mean, that's at the at crunch time in the minutes, like you got to be real careful about who you're playing in that situation. Right. right? Like how many has he given you? How many points has he given you? Versus how many, how many points has he taken away? Right. right. So um, I think that's going to be the challenge that, that Wes and his staff have um, with both of those guys. So I, I think it's, I, the talent levels are pretty similar. Um, they're I not, mean, they're not the same player. I'd be real curious as to what their plus minus differential is at the end of this season. Yeah. I think that would be, that would tell the tale. I think Mason right now is a more capable and willing defender than AJ. I think that now that, was, that probably started last year, even. Well, I didn't see AJ play last year, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> right. Like, but open gym only tells much. AJ's got some scoring pop, man. AJ's really got some scoring pop to his game, according Wait. according Wait. to my little birdie. Open gym only tells a part of a story, anyway. Though I mean, how many guys are running back and playing defense in an open gym as opposed to? Well, it's not even just running back and playing defense. It's the entire like, and and I've talked about this here before. Like when you're in year four or five of a coach like help side defense is just ingrained in everybody. Right. So you're playing it instinctively, even in open gym, these guys are still getting install on like how Wes Miller wants to play defense, how they're communicating, what the rotations are, how they handle those type of things is not in a place right now where it's instinctive. It's very, you know, uh, Pickup ball. Right now, it's just pickup ball, where guys are just out there running up and down the floor and getting buckets. So, it'll change. It'll change as time goes by. All right. So, um, I know we we briefly touched on this. Um, Midnight is when coaches can start contacting the 2023 class. Do you have any idea, any names they may be looking to try and, and contact? as the midnight hour approaches and coaches are able to kind of lift that curtain back. Well, I, I'm not sure Wes is going to be up at midnight. <laughs> he's, he's been working hard. He's tired. No, he's out with Huggins right now. Oh, right. That's a whole different game. Phone might be turned off or <laughs> he might, off. he might be tucked in by midnight. If he gets, we'll see, I'll, I'll get a report whether or not, you know, he, they, they conned him into going to the Holy grail after the event. You got a little birdie <laughs> there too. <laughs> Yes. Do I have a little birdie at the Holy Grail? Yeah. Sponsorship yeah, or something. I don't know. I have a little birdie at the Holy Perks Grail. of the sponsorship. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, obviously Rayvon Griffin's going to be one. Um, the Parks kid, the big kid from Ohio that visited last week, Austin Parks. Um, I think Dalen Swain, who visited, is going to be the a guy that I think if you see a 2023 that, that gets an offer that doesn't have one yet, here over the next couple of weeks, I think Damon Swain fits that mold because I think he's that long defense first, like physical, tough type wing that I think Wes Miller really, really likes. Uh, and I've heard, I haven't been able to confirm this. I've heard he's the cousin. He's a cousin of the Tate family. Hmm. So there's some, there's some UC connections there to him. Uh, even though Jalen didn't want to play for John Brandon. Yeah. Um, Anyhow, um, so, you know, I, I, those are some of the names. I think what's going to be the most interesting for me as we get into July are going to be 
how many kids from North Carolina and Atlanta pop up. That should be fun to see. Because there's going to be a bunch. Like, I think they're, I think they're, they're doing the right thing in terms of their first moves being regional guys and ingratiating themselves into Ohio and figuring out like what's the right moves in the region who are the people we need to know what are the the places we need to know but I get the feeling as we start to move forward a little bit between Morgan and between Dollar and their connections in Georgia and then Wes and his connections in North Carolina I think that's probably when we're going to start to see this pop up a little bit in both 22 and 23 uh, that they're making a play on some of those kids um if you go back to the hot boards, there's a couple of those names on those hot boards that are from those regions. Um, so keep an eye on them for 22. And then for 23, I think it's uh, an evolving list that we will continually uh, add names to as we go forward. I'd be disappointed if it wasn't. So we already touched on a little bit of uh, how often you and Wes chat, so we won't really touch on that question again. Um, but is there any chance of adding a Kyle or Damar twice a month or anybody else from the staff for that matter, uh, like we have access to Brady Collins? Here's what you need to understand. We didn't come up with the idea to have Brady Collins on this podcast twice a month. That was his idea when he came he on. He came up himself, yeah. <laughs> it's his idea. So – if one of them, I'm not like, look, man, especially that, I'd be worried about a grad assistant, especially with compliance. <laughs> like that would be my biggest concern. No, nah, Kyle's Kyle's really polished. Like I'm not, I wouldn't be worried about Kyle in, in that regard, but these guys are busy, man. And like, they've got, you know, if you're looking at DeMar, DeMar's got a family. Uh, Kyle is trying to like grind his way into coaching. Asking and he's them, in school too. Right. Is in grad school, which is part of the requirement of being a graduate assistant right. is that you're finishing your, your, your graduate degree. So no, I don't think that I will um, ask anyone to come on this podcast twice a week without uh, being able to twice a month, uh, twice a month, sorry, without being able to um, reward them financially. Mm -hmm. And we are not quite at that point yet. Maybe we will be in the near future. Uh, but as it stands, no, I, I, I don't think so. And, and again, I, I want to make it clear. Like we even tried to take a break with Brady to give him the summer to like work. He took one week off. Yeah, that was it. And that, that was only because he was up at midnight madness well, we and got were. two hours of sleep. Yeah. He was there. He, he was there at the gym the next morning. Yeah, he was back in the gym at 5.30 the next morning. We were not. I went to bed at 4.30 that, that night. I was at um, work by 10. You were supposed to be at work by what, 8? Eight? 8, yeah. Well, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was a disgusting thing. It wasn't like I just showed up late. I know. I know. I'm just saying. Like, so, um, if somebody wants to volunteer to come on this show every other week, we will gladly acquiesce. But in terms of asking somebody for that type of commitment that we're not paying, uh, probably not. All right. We got a lot of questions, so we're going to try and get through this as it's been close to two hours. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's so power. Feels like forever since we've had a high school basketball commit, not the current staff 
fault, not the current staff's fault by any means. Uh, when do you think we'll see the first 22 commit? Are we thinking fall, summer? I would guess fall. I, I don't feel like anything is trending because here's, here's the thing. If you're going to get a commit in the summer, it's going to happen before AAU in July starts generally. Because once AAU in July starts, those kids are occupied for three and a half weeks. So it's you don't see many commitments as the July AAU period is active. So if you see commitments there in June, because of the newness of the staff, I don't think we're going to see anything uh, in June at this point. But I do think we'll see something in the fall as we get to uh, – I imagine those first two home football games, we're going to see some, uh, a lot of some official visits and a push for commitments. All right. So while you were talking, I was reading through these questions real quick and I wanted to pick one because this particular guy dropped five, but just quick answers, just literally like first thought that comes to your head. Don't develop on any of them. Just quick answers because there are five. That's not how I operate. But I know, try. but I'm just saying just a tidbit on, Darren Page. Great personality from what I've seen so far. Uh, I love his energy. Seems like an outstanding guy. And, and I, I've really been impressed in the couple times that I've talked to him uh, with Darren Page. So I, I fully get, like, why he blew the staff away and came out of nowhere as a candidate for this running backs job because he just has that, that it kind of personality that the staff looks for. Fickle Trust. interviewed him. Can I talk? Fickle had interviewed him, and he liked him. That's good enough for me. <laughs> Next question, Aaron. I'm now you're getting to the questions I can answer. I All like right. This. So, so Trestle and his evolution. You're it. Here. You're it, Brent. You're it. Go ahead. <laughs> Trestle and his evolution here. Has there been uh, a whole lot of of change with him coming on board, uh, either with the players or the philosophy here on campus? Uh, Chad, at, at, I believe, asked him at his introductory press conference about philosophy change, and he said that he's hasn't even started to think about that yet. I, I believe there's been about eight different um, formations that the defense has tried during the spring. So as far as the philosophy change, I don't think so. And I think there's so many veteran players that it doesn't really matter. Um, but I think as far as the players liking him, just take a look at Devin Hightower, who played underneath him at Michigan State decided to come to Cincinnati as a walk-on kind of, you know, obviously had that connection to Mike Tressel and much like, much like what, what Wes Miller has done, has done with his former players that followed him. I believe if you had that connection with a coach like Mike Tressel was able to build it, I think the players doggone like him. Just we're like, gonna see if, I was going to transition. Go ahead. If we're going to see a philosophy change, I think it will be next year. Right. This year doesn't make any sense. Too many like, uh, they're loaded. Run it back. Run it back. Dust that dirt off your shoulders, Brent. That was well done. All right. Uh, are there any trap games you're worried about in the conference if we if yes. we if we can get past a Notre Dame and an Indiana? Yes. You go to New Orleans, the land of voodoo, on Halloween. We we talked about that at length. I don't know if we need to go any deeper on that particular game at this point in time, but yes. That's by 90. That's that's a little nerve-wracking, but also how about this one? Holton Ayler's senior game at ECU, undefeated Bearcats, trying to skate their way through to the conference championship game. 
and potential college football playoffs. Holton Ayler says, I'm going to throw for 800 yards. Unless he has a faulty COVID test. <laughs> All right. So uh, what, what, how much of what Tari was able to do do we think that Odie, Abdul, and Koval can replicate inside? And what are we going to miss most from Tari Eason? If you put all three together and form one person, they will cover everything you need out of Plus some. Plus we, that, what, there, look, he I like Kenny. Tari Eason. He wasn't Kenny. I, I, I like Tari Eason. This, this belief that he was some juggernaut that scored 17 points and added 11 rebounds a game is not real. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? Can I think, three guys I think the Will Wade, what a freshman did in the 17 minutes quote, a game? You know, the Will Wade quote that came out probably is making people be like, oh, gosh. Will Wade but, also took like seven power forwards. He's got a glutton of power forwards down at LSU. And I just wonder how much it cost. All right. So can you provide more information on the Mick Cronin no. and Wes Miller relationship? It seems Mick has been incredibly supportive of Wes. What is Mick's relationship with UC? Is he warmer since Bone left? Mick and Wes are friendly. To, other than that, like, I mean, he still knows a lot of, like, he grew up in Cincinnati. He knows a lot of people in Cincinnati. A lot of those people are connected to UC. Um, I think things. Not to tap into that resource. I, I think things are okay. Uh, clearly, him and Bone did not uh, see eye to eye towards the end. They're not different. Um, They're different heights. Next question. You ruined that for that person. You ruined that for that person that asked the question. I just want that. I want you to know that's on you. The vast majority of the podcast is going to be happy that we didn't spend any more time on a question. I told you we're moving quickly. All right. Um, what do you feel would have been more important? Uh, the more important inch in UC athletics. I like this question a lot. Kmart's foot being an inch to the right against SLU in 2000 or Colt McCoy throwing the ball an inch further against Nebraska in the 2009 Big 12 championship. Oh, and that's not UC, that's not UC Mert. That's not UC Mert. That was, that was a, but it was a I UC know. Mert type question. Mine, mine is basketball because Cincinnati Changes was a favorite. Cincinnati was a favorite and they were going to be, you know, odds were they were going to be the ones in the final four championship game with a chance to win it all. And in that football game, Sadly, Bama would have just demolished Cincinnati. We, we I don't know. I don't. That Bama team wasn't like. What if Brian Kelly stays? What if Brian Kelly has to stay? Right. That's, that's in my whole the point. national championship. He can't leave for Notre Dame if he's playing for a national fucking championship at UC. But I, but I think then it's still only one more year before Brian Kelly leaves. I don't think. No, I think I no. Look, you I think I we're, genuinely. I genuinely think he was only leaving for an elite job. Do you think we're Louisville at this point in the ACC if we win that national championship? I don't know that we win it, but I, I think you like if you go play, if you get to go play for it, like even if it's like what if it's the Georgia game? I mean, my point is, do you right. think that we're in a, in a different conference, though, if we are in the national championship? Maybe. Oof. It was it was it was 24 to six at halftime. Yes. OK, I understand. I understand if you play in it, that's definitely a big thing, but I think that they would have actually won it when it came to basketball. I think either way, either one of those wins that projects you into either the national championship eventually in basketball or in football, I think that that probably is the nail in the coffin on getting us into. A Here's the thing. That 
that St. Louis game was the first round of the conference tournament. Right. You still had a long, long way to go. That one second, that one second by Colt McCoy. Here's the only thing that I think people don't talk about enough. I still think there's a good chance TCU would have jumped Cincinnati and been number two. If that play would have, would have ended the Texas game. Either way, Texas, Nebraska. It's my favorite question out of the mailbag. So well done, Bear. It's a good man. one. No, it's a good one. I, I, I lean. Now I'm starting to see it because yes, you you are in the national championship. One hundred. Right, that's my point. It's basically the national semifinals at that point. Right. The only variable being TCU. TCU. Would UC beating Pitt have been that, enough to keep them ahead of TCU? Was that Andy Dalton TCU? Yeah, I think so. Oof. Or at least I mean, so many so many Cincinnati ties here. Right around then, yeah. I don't know. I might be wrong on that, but like, unless it's Andy LT. might have been the next year. So was that LT you? No, he was well past that at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I want to say football just because it would have been like a spot in the chip, like it would have been a seat at the table. Andy Dalton and, I, and Jerry Hughes, TCU. Thank you. I was really hoping you were looking that up as I was watching your eyes as what you were doing. Um, the thing with, you know, the, the NCAA tournament's such a crapshoot. That was by far, like that team was so much more talented than anybody else in the country that year. But one bad night and, and it, you know, it could have been a nightmare in the Sweet 16 or what, you know, the Elite Eight. Whereas that that football game would have put them in the national championship coming off of the greatest game in UC football history. I think I won you over here, Brent. I think you're switching sides. Yeah. Well, well playing, well, playing Bama for a national title yeah. with Brian Kelly stuck as the head coach at UC well, so would you, have been wild. You either run into Brian Kelly stuck or Andy Dalton not being a Bengal. Right. One or the other is happening. And well, yeah, because because in hindsight, whenever you can do the hindsight thing, you take the guaranteed thing. Maybe Tony Pike ends up a bingo. Number one pick in the second round. Instead oh, of a Panther. The Bearcats play for a championship. And, and Brian Kelly leaves him to 300 yards and hopefully he doesn't get hurt like Colt McCoy did. And but still, I digress. All right. That, that would have been interesting. It, I mean. I don't know. I think I go football. Great question. That question didn't make me mad. That question put a smile on my face. That was a great question. Yeah, it was. A, it was a good capper. Um, you don't have more, do you? I I, I have about. Oh, for, oh, Jesus, I told you we needed to start flying through these. Uh, any out of conference Power Five future schedule updates coming for either Ooh. football or basketball? We we touched no, on basketball question. already, but no. Okay, nothing on football. No. Mm-hmm. Next question. All right. Um, with the playoff expansion looming, it's reasonable to think raising funds for the indoor facility, indoor facility will happen more easily. Give the King all toys needed to build his castle or barn. Depends on how they fundraise. Like, I mean, it depends on your, your fundraising staff. It depends on you cats. Like that's the ball is in their court. So I will say one of the uh, recruits when I was talking to him said, uh, yeah, you can see where he took that extension money and put it. 
<laughs> that was Into so for, for a recruit to say that that was the fun I, la- I lost my entire composure on the phone with this recruit and uh you'll see which recruit said that when i dropped that story oh jeez sooner yeah, we that's, get that's that's the bit we got to get aaron done here so we can yeah. get stories written let's go um we already talked about playoff expansion realignment uh i've, I've got the final two i've been deleting them you, Thank you. Do you want to go blast ahead. them out? Ready? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. What state makes are you more comfortable with saying for the upcoming football year, they give up less than 75 points in conference play or more than 500 in all of their games this year? Uh, I think far and away more than 500 in all of their games this year. That's the UC Merck question for you this week. Far and away more than 500 because that's 33 and a third if they play in 14 games compared to eight points per game in conference play allowed so yeah do you think they're going to score more than 500 that would be averaging 33 points per game they averaged 37 in a in a third last year in 12 games or are you going with 13 games it's just an average 14 games 14 games 500 points 35.7 i'm going i'm going offense over over on offense yeah yeah easy far more likely if you get those 14 games. Yeah, but eight I mean, they're, per game. They're playing in a bowl game, Aaron. I they're going to win six fucking games. Well, they, they could end up with s- several bowl games. Right. I'm going a minimum. They're going to play for the AAC title because there's no divisions. Yeah. And they're going to play in a bowl game. Right. That's 14 games. That's mere- 35.7 points a game. Really I think being- they do that fairly easily should have gone higher on the on the total for offense there you see mark would have been more of a conversation 35.7 <laughs> yeah because i mean eight points per game you, you're gonna have one game where you let up some measly late late so so if you were writing this question brent just last question to, before we move on if you were writing this question where would you have put the the offensive number 100 125 oh, oh the offensive number the offensive number 600 600? 600 and then the defensive number at a hundred and hundred and forty. What is what's the math end up being at, at six hundred there, Chad? Are you putting it in your calculator? Forty-two point eight points a game. So you got you got maybe I think know, that's right. Like that's that would be the best offense sweet spot. in program history. That would be the best offense in program history. Well, and you figure there's gonna be some games where they score like seventy-two against an ECU or you know, even a fifty-six against right, you know, a but are they going to be able, like Indiana and Notre Dame are known for defense? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so are they going to be at 28, 27 in those games? And then you have to make that up in other oh. games. Like, how dog tired is the defense going to be against this offense or on the flip right. side of the coin, you know, having to be on yeah. the field because their offense can't do anything against this defense? Right. All right. Last question. Very quick hitters here. Best chicken wings in the city. Who? Um, I know people in smoked wings. To... Smoked wings are knockback nuts for me. There's a heavy, heavy. I'm for the contingent o- that the wants me to go to that wants me to go to Midwest Barbecue for the Grippos uh, wings. I think we're gonna try to do that Wednesday for Brendel's bites with Brady. I'm I'm Team Oak, by the way. Haven't been to a lot of different wing places in Cincinnati yet, but I'm Team Oak. Those are if I'm tasty. going, if I'm going traditional wings, 
Uh, it's a tie between two places only because they, 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 they have the best uh, wing sauce. Wild Mike's? And Wild Mike's and uh, Nuck and Futs here in uh, Northern Kentucky. They both have Carolina Gold, which if you've had Carolina Gold wings, you understand that Carolina Gold is the superior wing sauce. Best chili outside of Skyline. I mean, I'm a Dixie chili guy. I grew up with a Dixie chili in my neighborhood. It's a Northern Kentucky staple. If I if I'm not getting Skyline, I'm getting Dixie chili. Aaron, I haven't actually ventured too terribly far off Skyline, but I want to say every time I see Camp Washington, I want to get to Camp Washington because it looks fantastic. I've never I, like people are going to crucify me for this. You've never been either. I've, I've I've been to camp. I've never been to Price Hill Chili. Anytime you want to go, it's right up the right up the hill for me. <laughs> I've never been to Price Hill Chili. We could do we could do Price Hill Chili, and then go to Sebastian's for a nice little euro. I'm I'm Team Skyline or Team My Mom. She does a great job at making Cincinnati style chili. There we go. Anything else, guys? Using a can of Skyline. No, we got to get the hell out of here. We've been doing this for too long. I know. Get us out. I thought we did a great job, guys. But yet again, a fantastic show under the books for my good friends. Aaron do you see, Kelly, do you see yeah. Kelly pulling on the blanket over here? She's like, enough. Time shut, for cuddles. Shut Jack. up. Let's go. Time for cuddles. Let's go. But for my good friends, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel, I am Brent Young. This is the BVP presented Thanks. by BearcatJournal.com. Thanks for all your mailbag questions. See ya. See ya.